Worth. Co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. I hope your Friday is a beautiful one so far, Friday, August 13th, and what a week and what a weekend even for saint celebrations. We have uh, St. Maximilian Kobe tomorrow, also known as one of our media saints. I'll talk a little bit about that in Fact Check Friday. And then... Of course, the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary and a big, big uh, deal going on with EW10. This is so exciting, and I can't wait to chat with Doug Keck. Always look forward to our conversations, and especially today because they're celebrating EW10 40 years of religious broadcasting. And it's just such an incredible story. And there's also now the Mother Angelica Award. You may have seen the stories about Michael Warsaw presenting that this weekend. Doug will give us an update and just also look back on 40 years and Mother Angelica's determination to have this available for us and the importance of how EW Chan really was at the cusp of the beginning of all of these different Catholic media outlets and 40 years if you can believe it but I would just really encourage you especially being that we had the feast of St. Clair of Assisi of course earlier this week and now we have uh, St. Maximilian Kobe tomorrow these two great saints and St. Clair being of course the patron saint of television to take a look at their lives. And then, as I mentioned, we're going to be going into Fact Check Friday after we chat with Doug. And I want us to go back to our roots, in addition to the saints, looking at what the church teaches on the media. This is something that was just eye-opening for me, and it just got me so excited when I actually began to go figure on my way back to the church more than 25 years ago, actually studying the teachings of the faith. And so as we get into that Fact Check Friday, Uh, moment at the bottom of the hour. I hope you have a pen in hand because I'm going to give you a little weekend homework in honor of St. Clair, Mother Angelica, and Maximilian Colby. In honor of their amazing work and witness, I'm going to ask you to, at some point, even if you can't do it this weekend, maybe you have plans, but to jot down these different documents that I give you, the names of these documents, and to go to them because right now we're in the midst of such a huge problem with the mass media in general. Now, EWTN is a big light, right? Thanks be to God. But we are small in comparison, unfortunately, despite how big we are in the Catholic world and in the religious world. We're the largest religious media organization in the world. But unfortunately, you have the CNNs, the MSNBCs, the NBCs, CBSs, ABCs that still dominate in terms of the secular world, not to mention all the different problems out there going on on the Internet. And a lot of people are having problems discerning these messages. And I see this every single day with people asking me questions about particular stories. It's overwhelming. And so what is the proper way to report a story? What is the proper way to discern media? The church gives us the answers to this. And interestingly enough, what I found in terms of my training as a journalist, taking all these different journalism classes in college, and being taught way back when, 40 years ago I graduated from journalism school, about balance and about structure and about at least the attempt at objectivity. The church teaches this as well. And the church says that we would be sorry for the world. This is actually for the Lord. This is actually a quote from Pope Paul VI in Inamorifica. We'll get into that a little bit later. He said, the church would be sorry before God if she does not use the media wisely. 
So the church does not say, oh, the media are all bad. We shouldn't be using the media. No, the church is engaging with the media and in the media and through the media constantly. But it can be overwhelming and confusing, and we can get lost in all of this. And it's just beautiful if you look back at at what the church has given us in these documents. And if you want to really see everything summarized, I would recommend. It's, It's a few years old, but my first book, Noise, is very helpful because I give references to all these documents. I quote them, and it was just mind-blowing for me. It was like, I can't believe the church has all this information. Where have I been all these years? I could have had a V8 for crying out loud. That's how I felt when I was reading this. I'm like, yes, go figure. The church gets it. Makes sense because (laughs) it's all coming from God. But for me, it was like this aha moment which led me into all the other teachings on the teachings of the dignity of life and the dignity of women. And that, oh, it's God, it's Jesus and the church that are really freeing women, not the world. Who knew? Anyhow, always go to the roots. Always go back. Dig deeply. Mother Angelica always taught us this. Go to the saints. Go to scripture. Go to Holy Mother Church. All right. Talk about that. Fact Check Friday. Very passionate about this, as you can tell. And then we're going to wrap up with, speaking of the church, Matt Hadro is going to be joining us from Catholic News Agency and a couple of really great stories out there, both on the register and on Catholic News Agency. Some good news from the pro-life front. And yay, can't we use some of that good news right now? Thank you very much. All right. So it's already five minutes past the hour. I do want to mention the weather, though, because it's uh, pretty crazy out there across the country. North, south, east, and west. We're having a heat wave. But also we've got Tropical Storm Fred that's moving up uh, Florida. So let me give you a quick summary on the weather, and then we'll get into the news before, uh, let's see. Let's see. It's uh, five minutes past the hour. Okay, we still have time. National Weather Service telling us a widespread and expansive heat wave continuing to affect much of the country from the northwest to parts of the Mississippi and then the Ohio Valleys into the northeast and the mid-Atlantic. Excessive heat warnings, heat advisories are in effect. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, severe storms possible today from the northeast to the central plains. And last but not least, we have heavy rain from Tropical Storm Fred. Could begin to impact southern Florida today going into this evening. We'll have stories on that as well. All righty then, it's a Friday. Hope you are doing well on this Friday morning. You are listening to EWTN. Check out our great resources on EWTN.com. Let's see what's happening in and around the world this morning in the news at six minutes past the hour. Well, pro-life groups praising the Senate this week for narrowly approving language against taxpayer-funded abortion, the language part of a budget resolution, a procedural step toward eventual passage of the Democrats' proposed $3.5 trillion spending package for the 2022 fiscal year. Senator James Lankford from Oklahoma introducing that measure, which was included in the resolution by a vote of 50 to 49. Although the amendment is non-binding, pro-life leaders saw it as passage as significant as they work to prevent Congress from including abortion funding in next year's budget. The bishop's calling out the Justice Department for dereliction of duty after learning it is voluntarily dismissing a case against Vermont University Medical Center. The medical center was found to have forced a nurse to take part in an abortion against her religious beliefs. In a statement from the USCCB saying, hard to imagine a more horrific civil rights violation than being forced to take an innocent human life. Sri Lanka is filing charges against over two dozen people for a deadly 2019 Easter Sunday suicide bombings across the country. 
The charges filed this week under Sri Lanka's anti-terror law include conspiring to murder, aiding and abetting, collecting arms and ammunition, and attempted murder. Over 260 people were hurt, 500 others are killed, 500 others injured, in coordinated suicide bombings on three churches, four hotels, and a housing complex. Federal officials say a U.S. Army veteran convicted of planning to bomb a white supremacist rally also considering targeting Jews and Christians. He was planning, they say, to bomb the rally in Southern California in April of 2019 as revenge for the mosque massacres in New New Zealand weeks earlier. Investigators caught on to the man after he posted to online forums expressing support for violent jihad, saying he was willing to become a martyr and express a need to get retribution for attacks against Muslims. Prosecutors also say he considered attacking Jewish people, churches, and police officers. Reporter Jay Gray tells us a debate over school vaccine mandates reaching the highest court now in the land. The Supreme Court now weighing in on the fight, refusing to block Indiana University's requirement that students must be vaccinated to attend classes this fall. The Supreme Court hearing a challenge to the policy that requires all students to be vaccinated before attending classes this fall. Justice Amy Coney Barrett yesterday denying the challenge from eight IU students. Taliban insurgents in Afghanistan on Friday seizing Kandahar and Herat, the country's second and third largest cities. Hours after it was confirmed, the U.S. military will help evacuate Americans from the embassy. The insurgents have taken more than a dozen provincial capitals in recent days and now control more than two-thirds of the country just weeks before the U.S. plans to withdraw its last troops. Additional U.S. forces are being moved to Afghanistan to assist with evacuation efforts and airport security in Kabul. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby telling a briefing troops are coming from nearby regions. The Secretary of Defense has directed the department to position temporary enabling capabilities to ensure the safety and security of U.S. and partner civilian personnel. He called it a temporary mission with a narrow focus involving about 3,000 U.S. troops. That is in addition to the roughly 650 American forces left in Afghanistan. The security situation rapidly deteriorating as the Taliban continues to overrun Afghan provinces. The U.S. Embassy in Kabul is reducing staff and trying to send people home. Meanwhile, fighting is again rapidly displacing Afghan civilians, with many heading for Kabul to sleep on the streets. A U.N. spokesman, Stefan Najarik, as Vatican News explains, says this has so far impacted nearly 400,000 people over the last several months. Since the start of the year, nearly 390,000 people have been newly displaced by conflict across the country, with a huge spike since May. Our humanitarian colleagues are telling us that between July 1st and August 5th, 2021, the humanitarian community verified that 5,800 internally displaced persons had arrived in Kabul. They were seeking safety from the conflict and other threats. They have received assistance, including food, household items, water, and sanitation support. Uh, Most of these uh, are staying in Kabul, are hosted by friends and family, but a growing number are staying in the open. That's UN spokesman Stefan Najarik. July, the busiest month for illegal border crossings in the U.S. in over 20 years. The new information released by U.S. Customs and Border Protection showing the number of migrants detained along the southern border last month exceeded 200,000 for the first time in 21 years. That number, including nearly 83,000 family members and about 19,000 unaccompanied minors, 
That's an all-time high. The July arrest total is a 13% increase from June and the second highest number of arrests along the border on record. Meanwhile, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas is promising that the administration is doing what it can to protect the Texas-Mexico border. The extent of the challenge should not be understated, but nor should our ability to meet it. Thanks to our workforce, our expertise, our plans. He told reporters in Brownsville there's a major surge of migrants at the border, bigger than it has been before. Group of South Texas mayors aren't impressed with those statements. The county judges, economic development groups, and the mayors want a pause on new asylum applications at the Mexican border. Texas Border Coalition member Laredo Mayor Pete Sines says no migrants should be allowed in until an orderly process, he insists, can be developed for those asylum seekers. To actually control the, the volume, the spigot, so to speak, uh, there's just so much, uh, so many of these, these migrants seeking asylum, and it's uncontrollable at this point. He also cited rising COVID Delta cases with the migrants crossing the border and worried the border could be overrun soon. Thousands still without electricity after powerful storms ripping through parts of Connecticut yesterday, leaving residents shaken up by those storms. It was really scary. The wind started picking up and there's the leaves all in the front of the house just going crazy. And then the trees just coming down. New England's largest energy provider ever source saying crews have been working throughout the night to restore power as quickly as possible. High winds bringing down trees and power lines, leaving damage to property. Meanwhile, it's another scorcher in the Northeast, and Baltimore City's Code Red Extreme Heat Alert is still in place. It's just that heat and humidity, it just, it's like, woof, right at you. As soon as you go out, you can just feel, like, a sense of, like, just ick. Sinai's Hospital Chief of Emergency Medicine, Dr. Neil Roy, meanwhile, seeing a number of heat-related illnesses this week. Some patients have come in dehydrated, slightly confused, um, and, and lots of sunburn as well. The high heat, he says, and humidity will make temperatures feel like more than 100 degrees, creating dangerous conditions. And finally, in our newscast on a Friday morning, August 13, 2021, four states in the western U.S. are hitting, meanwhile, a sweltering new milestone. Brian Shook has that story from the The West National Coast. Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration said this week California, Nevada, Oregon, and Washington State all had their hottest July on record last month. It comes as the western region deals with wildfires and drought. Idaho, Montana, North Dakota, Utah, and Wyoming all saw their top ten hottest Julys. It was also hot for the nation as a whole, with an average temperature of 75.5 degrees. Hope you're having a beautiful Friday morning despite the heat. Stay cool and stay close to us here at EWTN. A big celebration coming up. We'll tell you all about it. Up next, it's a Friday morning. You're listening to EWTN Global Catholic Radio. Mississippi presented a brief to the Supreme Court, and in that brief, the state of Mississippi argued that the Constitution of the United States does not confer a right to abortion. Asking the court to finally admit the cases claiming there is such a right, Roe v. Wade, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, have been wrongly decided and need to be overruled. Now make no mistake, this is coming to a very different Supreme Court than we've had in the past because former President Trump kept his promise to appoint originalist judges. And even if we assume they regard Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey as bad decisions, we really don't know how they might go about revising, dismantling, you know, reforming Roe. 
This is going to be a very consequential Supreme Court case. Cresta in the Afternoon with Al Cresta for Eastern on EWTN Radio. WTN Radio for the reason that Mother Angelica founded this entire enterprise. She always saw this as a spiritual growth network. It was to be an enterprise in media that reached people in all aspects of their life. She saw this as a, a holistic approach to reaching the whole person in the middle of the world and bringing them truth and life. Raymond Arroyo thinks Catholic Radio is important. So should you. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's Choice in Senior Home Care. 17 minutes past the hour. Hope your Friday is going well. Always great to catch up with Doug Keck, Chief Operating Officer and President of EW Chan. Happy anniversary. You've got a big anniversary coming up. Congrats. Yeah, absolutely. This weekend, it's a big weekend for EW Chan. Of course, the 40th uh, with Mother Angelica on the, on the 15th. And so... Uh, you know, this Sunday we've got our Witness of Providence, the first annual Mother Angelica Award. Uh, that program will be on at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, so people can check that out. We're also running, you know, various uh, historical programs with Mother Angelica and then some flashback spots from the old days that people remember from uh, different things and IDs. And so it's it's always great. 40 years, it's amazing. Uh, I got to be there for 25 of it so wow. far, so uh, wow. that, that was good. Uh, I remember coming in basically right around the time of the 15th, uh, so I remember the 15th anniversary uh, celebration we had in the studio that summer, so I remember that. And then we also have a lot of uh, programming this weekend because Birmingham, our, our, our diocese, is having... Uh, basically a year of the parish and the Eucharist, and it's great because the new bishop, who's a, a very good friend of the network, Stephen Reka, uh, from decided Michigan, to have, by the way. Right, right. Gaylord. That decided, yep. mm-hmm. That's right. Decided to have everything um, up at the shrine, so we've got uh, an event happening today at uh, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, adoration and procession from the shrine, and then uh, tomorrow we've got Holy Mass as well at 10 a.m. So we've got a couple of major events at the shrine that Mother created. Uh, just happened to be the same weekend as the 40th anniversary. So we're really thrilled that uh, for the sisters and for Mother's memory that the bishop decided to hold everything up there. It's really going to be a, a great event. We've also got live programming from Baltimore uh, tomorrow and Sunday. Uh, first solemn, first vespers of the Assumption of Blessed Virgin Mary from Baltimore, mm-hmm. and then also the solemn mass on Sunday. Also, we've got the wonderful film, Two Crowns. If you haven't seen it, you should uh. see a wonderful film. St. Maximilian Kolbe produced high-class production from uh, Poland. That's on tomorrow at 8 p.m. as our uh, movie slot. And, of course, like I mentioned, there's the uh, first annual Mother Angelica Award. And then next week, we've got a couple of programs, The Little Francis, a new children's series running uh-huh. next week, as well as Rite of Passage, Leaving Boyhood Behind. Just a little bit. 
of what's available on EWTN on the network. Wow. And don't forget, EWTN On Demand, go there. There's tens of thousands of videos through our YouTube channel and on our on-demand platform uh, for purchase, for rent, or for free, depending on what it is. Check that out so you don't miss anything on EWTN. One of the, the things that you and I were talking during the break, I was on my way home from a speaking engagement this week, and I always have my Magnificat with me. I'm, I'm old school. I like the hard copy. Anyway, I, I was reading. I, I hope was reading. you're not reading it while you're driving. No, no, I oh, wasn't okay. driving the plane. I was I was sitting in, in oh. my seat waiting for oh, the plane Oh, you're in the board. plane. Okay. <laughs> No, I'm not. That's not one area where I'm going to multitask when I'm behind okay. the wheel. But but anyway, there's a beautiful summary from her a reflection from uh, Wednesday's reflection in the Magnificat. So if people have the Magnificat, right. I just want them to pick it up and, and if they didn't, if they well. missed it. But it's really beautiful. It doesn't say. I don't know if it's from a program of hers, Doug, but it's a beautiful reflection on the Eucharist from Mother Angelica. Right. Of course, being that Wednesday was a feast of Saint Claire of Assisi, the patron saint mm-hmm. of television. But then I also think about in addition to Saint Claire. Uh, of course, uh, to whom Mother Angelica was so close, and of course the poor Claire's. But also tomorrow you mentioned St. Maximian Kolbe. We know, many people know his story of martyrdom, but I wonder how many people know his involvement in the media. And that's one of the reasons, right. a big reason why he was arrested. Right, printing. He was. Uh, yeah. he, he had a whole printing operation. And also radio. He tried radio right. in Japan, right. I believe, for a while. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, no, it's, uh, it, it, there's an amazing uh, kind of confluence there of, of, you know, you've got Claire and Mother Angelica and Colby. And that's why it's so important for us to remember that the media, the Catholic media, the Catholic outreach is vital mm-hmm. to the sustenance uh, of our people, uh, keeping them aware of what's actually really going on. Uh, because as we know, uh, for years we suspected, now it's confirmed, but it's even worse, uh, you know, trying to figure out what's really going on based on what the mainstream media's particular bias is this week is incredibly difficult. And at least through Catholic radio and through EW10 News and the network on a regular basis, you can stay more centered. So um, when you get uh, hit with these wins, um, you can hold on to uh, you know the rock of Peter and the truth of the church. Yeah, which is actually what I'm going to be dedicating my um, Fact Check Friday segment to, to the different documents the Church gives us, in Vatican II and Amorifica, the World Communications Day Statements, Rapid Development, and so many others that are out there that we can read, and even Scripture, you know, St. Paul talking about, uh, you know, the and, and John Paul II reminding us that he considered the media the new Areopagus. So there, there's so much right. that the Church gives us on this. But I still find so many people, it's very overwhelming because there's so many outlets. Just in the last 24 hours, I had two emails from folks mm-hmm. looking for help in trying to discern. And one woman wrote me because she was very frustrated uh, with her priest saying everybody needs to be vaccinated, blah, blah, blah. And she said, well, I heard from conservative news outlets. And I wrote her back and I said, well, I said, if you're upset with your priest, respectfully, you know, ask him and, and tell him your concerns, do it respectfully, give him a chance to explain. I said, but then I said, you didn't tell me what sources you're following. You said conservative sources. I said, be careful with that, because right. whether some source says they're conservative, we don't know if they're reflecting we need to be sure that what right. we're taking in doesn't go against our Catholic faith. And also, when it comes to things like the vaccine and things like that, I mean, we have to look to the guidance of the church right. and the ethics, right. bioethics groups on these kinds of things. Right. And we also have to make sure we don't get caught up in some sort of either political or religious tug of war right. and obscure the fact that, that we need to do what's right for our own personal uh, situation. And certainly... 
you know, no one should be forced to do anything in the United States uh, against their will, and certainly that would be anyone's perspective, or it should be. That being said, we have to make sure that uh, people uh, are listening to the appropriate sources, which we know the part of the problem we have is it's so confusing because the normal sources messaging has been so evasive. You know, one time this, the science has been settled about 25 different T- times. Times, right. And people have their heads spinning. And the trouble with the cry wolf and the other things is that even if it's intended and you're telling people, well, we kind of said it this way so people wouldn't be worried, well, then when the truth comes out, then people say, well, I can't trust what you're saying. And so I think uh, it's important that... Uh, that people make their own decisions and make it an informed decision and, and, and have it in conjunction maybe with their their own doctor and, and their own health situation since, uh, you know, the level of uh, fear that is drummed out there compared to the people who are really the most at risk. It doesn't mean you shouldn't get the vaccine. I right. got the vaccine. I will go and say I got the vaccine. Um, and I also tell you that I ended up getting the, the COVID from, uh, you know, from the... Uh, the, the variant, uh, but I can tell you that my personal my personal experience was that uh, when it when I did get it, I hardly knew I had it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know that was my experience, and I have a wife who has uh, immune issues, and so she certainly had it, and she even had an infusion. So those are the things that our personal experience has been, but that doesn't mean it's anybody else's personal right. experience or that uh, I should dictate what people do. I just think everybody has to be prayerful. And, and that's careful. what the church says. The church says that this is not to be forced or mandated, that we have a right to make our decisions. And I actually directed another listener to Raymond's show last night, The World Over, because he, he's, he looked at this extensively with great resources within that program. And I also sent them to Catholic News Agency, the National Catholic Bioethics Center, and Catholic Medical Association, all really good sources that we promote here on EWTN. Doug, thanks, congratulations, and we'll talk to you next week. We'll be right back. Show your support for Catholic education and sports. Global Football is proud to work with key leaders representing four notable Catholic dioceses in the inaugural Catholic Bowl, Saturday, September 4th at the Ford Center in Frisco, also located on the campus of the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters. Kicking off the action at 2 p.m. will be John Paul II High School of Plano versus St. Thomas High School from Houston. The 7 p.m. matchup will feature Nolan Catholic High School of Fort Worth, welcoming Little Rock Catholic High School of Arkansas. And to purchase tickets, visit globalfootball.com slash Catholic Bowl. Do you know a healthcare professional who would benefit by learning more about fertility awareness and the Billings Ovulation Method? Someone in need of continuing education credit? BOMA USA, the Billings Ovulation Method Association, is a new sponsor of KTH 910 AM. They've created online training specifically for healthcare professionals or experienced fertility awareness teachers. Visit boma-usa.org and click on Health Professionals at the top of the page. Free educational materials are available in appreciation for referrals. The St. Padre Prayer Group of St. Joseph Catholic Church in Richardson is holding a one-day retreat called Living as Saints Today on September the 11th. Learn how to live our lives like saints in today's confusing and difficult times. The retreat speaker, Philip Gray, is a well-known canon lawyer and the current president of the Catholic United for the Faith, a foundation that provides professional canonical guidance to individuals and groups. To register, call Tara at 972-832-3203. Seats are limited. 
Little Angels Catholic Store in Capel offers a range of religious books, gifts, icons, and accessories for the spring season and is a proud sponsor of KTH 910 AM. They're located at 600 East Sandy Lake Road in Capel, right down the street from St. Anne Parish. They are open Monday through Saturday from 9 AM to 7 PM. For more information, you can reach them by calling 972-304-5200 or by visiting them online at littleangelscatholicstore.com. Twenty-eight minutes past the hour. Fact check Friday time. Hope you're doing well. Get your pens, or if you're sitting by your computer, take some notes. I'm all about the resources. Yesterday we talked about the importance of the saints. I love the saints, and Doug was saying we were just discussing what a great day, a great week to talk about amazing saints this week, especially as related to communications. On Wednesday, Saint Clair of Assisi, the patron of television, and then tomorrow we have Saint Maximilian Colby. Of course, um, he's known for his great work with the Immaculata Movement, radio and pamphlets and the printing press and getting words out there and information about the beauty and the truth of the Catholic faith. Father Frank Pavone, who's on my show in the first hour of the program once a week, was talking about everything that he did to promote um, life. And he was actually very critical, extremely critical of the Nazi regime for their attacks on life and freedom and the dignity of the human person. Hence the reason they came after him. And, of course, uh, imprisoned him, and he gave his life for another prisoner who was in uh, Auschwitz. And if you go over to Poland, you can actually go into the cell, which I've done. And then there's also an actual museum of his life in the area where he served. It's just very powerful. And I think in honor of these great saints, in honor of the 40th anniversary of EWTN coming up this weekend on the Feast of the uh, Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, in honor of the amazing foundress Mother Angelica, can we look at what the church gives us in the media? Can you do this for me? Because many of you are writing me about what to believe, whom to believe, as Doug was just saying. And we need to dig deeper. We need to see what the church has to offer us. I mentioned this in a talk I gave the other night at the Cincinnati chapter of Legata. I said we have to go back to basics. I don't care how well educated you may be, and I'm sure you're listening to us, or you're different than a lot of Catholics out there because you sought out Catholic radio, you love the faith. But the Catholic Church is so incredibly wide and deep and beautiful that we could study our faith our entire lives, and we were actually just scratching the surface on this amazing gift that we have that Christ gave us and founded 2,000-plus years ago on the Rot St. Peter, the one holy Catholic and apostolic faith. And on my way back, on my journey home to Rome, this is one of the things I brought up on uh, the journey home years ago when I gave my testimony I started to actually read documents of the church. Go figure. What a concept. It actually began with the documents on marriage because Deacon Dom and I, uh, once our marriage was healed and we were back in parish life, we were asked to, to work with engaged couples. And we thought, well, gee, it might help if we actually read some of the documents on God's plan for marriage. And we were just blown away by that. And then as a media person, when I was starting to question what God wanted me to do with, with my media gifts, I actually started to dig a little bit more deeply and look at some of the saints regarding media and regarding what the church had to say, especially the great work of Pope St. John Paul II, who was considered another great media saint. And he's done a lot of writing on this area. But I want to take you back a couple of documents, so write this down. And I mentioned this in the first hour of the program. We could go all the way back to Vatican II and into Marifica and Pope St. Paul VI, all right? And this part of the Vatican II documents, and, and I studied this extensively, especially in preparation for writing my first book, Noise, 
How Our Media-Saturated Culture Dominates Lives and Dismantled Families. That would be a good book to grab if you wanted to read more about these documents, and it's all compiled in this one book. It's a few years old, but it was updated uh, back, I think, in 2012 or 2013. But Intermorifica, okay? And this is from Vatican II, and it does review the media in terms of how the media are supposed to be used by the church and by, of course, Catholics, and how this is supposed to promote the goodness, the good, the beautiful, and the true. And then a follow-up to that was a beautiful document by, yes, John Paul II. Now, in addition to Intermorifica and the rapid development, which was written mainly, it was an apostolic letter that John Paul II put out shortly before he died. I believe this came out in 2005, maybe 2004. It was written directly to those responsible for communications, but not only for those responsible for communications. We can all benefit from this letter, as he mentions in his wording. So we have Intermorifica from Vatican II. We have JP2's Rapid Development. And out of Vatican II came these annual World Communications Day statements, and they are little beautiful nuggets from the popes. Okay, so each January, on the feast of the patron saint of journalists, St. Francis de Sales, the pope gives a communication statement. And those are wonderful to look up. You can find them on the Vatican website. Just put World Communications Day statements. Boom, you'll be there. You can just Google it. They are little nuggets, very readable, very digestible, very quickly. And they give us great information regarding how to discern media, how to use it, what the media should be doing. As Doug said, and I've been saying, and Vanessa Denhagarmo and I, and, and I discussed this with Al two weeks ago for over an hour on his program, the media have lost their way for the most part. The extreme bias, the sensationalism, the fear-mongering has always been there, but it's over the top to the point now where the media are no longer news operations their propaganda tools. And this is really coming out, especially as we saw with the situation with Governor Cuomo, uh, COVID, the issue of abortion, the Me Too movement, and on and on and on. So what do we do? We take a breath and we see what Holy Mother Church has to say about this, and also what our saints have to say about this. In his document, his apostolic letter, The Rapid Development, John Paul II reminds us, that the Apostle Paul has a clear message for those engaged in communications, meaning politicians, professional communicators, and spectators. He quotes Ephesians 4, 25 and 29. Therefore, putting away any falsehood, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, for we are members one of another. No foul language should come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for needed edification that it may impart grace to those who hear. And that's from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4. John Paul II goes on to say there are three fundamental options the church and her members face today. Now, this was written again before John Paul II passed away. And it's still timely. This is the beauty of the church teachings. They are developed over time, but they are always timely. Formation, participation, and dialogue. The formation of media has to be closely observed and filtered, such as formation of a new vocabulary used widely in the media. Okay? Without proper formation, the media would no longer be serving humanity but shaping our beliefs and minds. 
The younger generation are the most concerned who would need critical and responsible education on the use of media. Secondly, a true participation by all members are encouraged. A culture of co-responsibility toward handling of the media. This means that we need to be engaged and to talk to media outlets and to express our concerns, to ask questions. Okay? And lastly, he says, the role of promoting dialogue and as a tool of reciprocal knowledge is highlighted. He says, it's a double-edged sword. Used for a good purpose, it could become the most powerful tool in spreading peace and understanding, or it could become a destructive weapon if it were to be used in a negative manner. Now, how is that weapon being used? One of the ways, of course, we know the cancel culture. Not to mention to silence, in addition to the cancel culture, to attack and, of course, to silence people who oppose many of these organizations that operate the media outlets. But again, Intermerifica, Rapid Development, World Communications Day Statements, in honor of St. Max, St. Clair, and Mother Angelica, do some homework, get to know what the church has to offer on the media. That's our Fact Check Friday on this August 13th. We'll be right back. Council for Life will celebrate their 20th year anniversary with two featured speakers for its annual Celebrating Life Luncheon on November 17th at the Omni Dallas Hotel. World-renowned neurosurgeon Dr. Ben Carson and multi-award winning Christian music songwriter and artist Matthew West will highlight the luncheon. For more information, including underwriting opportunities and tickets, visit councilforlife.org slash luncheon. Loretta House in Denton is a pregnancy resource center that serves women dealing with unplanned pregnancies. They provide free pregnancy testing and free ultrasounds. Clients receive material goods like diapers, baby items, clothing, parenting classes, and more. Loretta House is an official apostolate of the Diocese of Fort Worth. All services are provided free of charge and remain completely confidential. Many babies are saved and many hearts changed. For more information, visit LorettaHouse.org or call 940-380-8191. Catholics have witnessed dramatic changes in law, culture, and popular opinion on issues of sexual identity and gender. These changes present Catholic families with unprecedented challenges. Mary Rice Hassan, founder of the Person and Identity Project, an organization to assist the Catholic Church in promoting the Catholic vision of the human person and responding to the challenges of gender ideology, will give a talk to parents about gender ideology. The event will take place on Wednesday, September 8th at St. Andrew's Catholic Church in Fort Worth. For more information, visit strandrewcc.org. Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardo Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. One of the great things about the media, as Doug Keck was mentioning, as EWTN celebrates its 40th anniversary this weekend, are the many, 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 many wonderful news outlets that we now have, including the National Catholic Register and Catholic News Agency. 
And Matt Hedro writes for both. He's with us this morning. His lovely wife, Catherine, of course, is a wonderful host of EWTN's Pro-Life Weekly every week night, on th- well, actually Thursday nights, and she does a great job. Uh, love her work. Um, Matt, really two very important stories. I want to start with the piece in the register that you wrote about the uh, federal court dismissing the lawsuit against the Indianapolis Archdiocese. This was also posted on the Catholic News Agency. Now, this is a good news story in the case where a federal court is recognizing that, go figure, the Catholic Church, people of faith have a right, if they're operating a Catholic school or a parish, to uphold church teaching. So tell us about this this victory in federal court. Thanks for joining us. Sure, and uh, thanks for having me. Um, so uh, this case, it's actually a number of, there have been a number of lawsuits against the Indianapolis Archdiocese um, from, you know, there were uh, two, there was one notable one uh, from a teacher at one of the Catholic high schools uh, who had, um, and you know, uh, entered into a same-sex marriage contract with another uh, Catholic school teacher at a Jesuit school. Um, and the one of the teachers, his contract was not renewed. Um, and uh, then, you know, in this particular case that I wrote about this week, um, it was a, a guidance counselor, a co-director of guidance at a Catholic school, Ron Colley High School in the Archdiocese, who um, had, uh, you know, again, entered into a same-sex marriage contract in 2015 and, um, you know, had signed... Uh, a um, you know a ministry a kind of a her her job description uh, beginning in 2017 you know mm-hmm. clearly stated that she was supposed to be abiding by church teaching as a part of her job and uh, the school met with her in 2018 and placed on her an administrative leave uh, because she wouldn't um, you know she wouldn't uh, leave you know leave her uh, same sex you know quote unquote marriage. Um, and then in uh, 2019, the school declined to renew her contract. Um, and so what the, the federal court said this week in that case is that the, the school does have the right to make employment decisions uh, regarding its teachers. Um, it's called the ministerial exception. Um, there's, you know, there are obviously, you know, there are federal civil rights laws that prohibit discrimination in the workplace. Uh, you know, you can't unlawfully or unjustly fire somebody without cause, but for uh, religious institutions, um, they you know they can make employment decisions and they have to be free to do so um, when somebody is a minister of religion. Um, you know, if, if somebody is not abiding by the tenets of that religion, then you know the the institution has the freedom to make employment decisions, and that's what mm-hmm. the court was ruling this week. Well, it's to me, it's like, okay, Captain Obvious, you're going into a situation, you're signing a statement that says you're going to uphold teachings, then you turn around and, and sue when you're told you're violating those teachings. I mean, what part of this don't these folks, uh, you know, with all due respect, understand, right? Yeah, and, and you know, it may have been, it may have been an issue uh, previously at the school, you know, according to the woman's lawsuit, um, you know, that uh, as of 2016, the school had, uh, you know, supposedly... Um, you know, discovered that the description for her job wasn't, you know, wasn't really religious and uh, wouldn't have met, wouldn't have met with the ministerial exception. And so that's why, you know, she signed, the school had a new contract, uh, which, you know, she signed for the 2017-2018 year that had an an explicitly religious description for, um, for the job. You know, that she's, uh, you know, she will be praying with students, that she is meant to, you know, model the church's teaching and her conduct. 
Um, and, and so I think that this is a um, this is kind of a, a real legal challenge for a lot of religious institutions around the country. Is you know making sure that if somebody you know if somebody is supposed to be Upholding church teaching in their job description, well, that has to actually be in their job description. Um, mm-hmm. And this, you know, these are some of the legal battles I think that we're kind of seeing pop up around the country. We're talking with Matt Hadro about a number of uh, different stories, uh, good news stories actually this morning in terms of um, you know supporting the church. So where do you think this goes? Will this go to the highest court in the land? Do you think will they appeal this to the Supreme Court? What are you hearing about this particular case, Matthew? Well, I mean, the uh, the logical next step in the case would be, you know, if the woman wants to appeal, it would uh, she would appeal to the higher court, the federal appeals court. Um, and um, you know, in one of the other lawsuits against the archdiocese, um, you know, again, I had mentioned the case of the two uh, mm-hmm. two male teachers, you know, right. who had entered into a marriage contract with each other, um, and the one teacher uh, who, you know, his contract was not renewed. And he sued the archdiocese. Uh, his case went to the state supreme court, and the state supreme court ruled in favor of the archdiocese. Um, now, the the man who you know he had entered into uh, you know again a, a same sex quote unquote marriage with um, that man you know was a teacher is a teacher at Brebeuf Jesuit High School, and uh, Archbishop the Archbishop of Indianapolis had you know what when Brebeuf Jesuit would not. Uh, you know, would not fire him uh, for, you know, having violated church teaching, the Archbishop of Indianapolis instructed them to, you know, to, you know, hey, you know, you have to, you have to fire him. The school didn't, and the Archbishop revoked the school's Catholic status. Right. Um, Ray Bruce Jesuit appealed to the Vatican, and that, you know, that appeal is still being considered. Okay. All right, so let's move to another story uh, that you also, this was posted uh, yesterday, and this is regarding uh, Senator James Lankford, a very pro-life uh, member of the Senate, and pro-life groups are praising the Senate on Wednesday for narrowly approving language against taxpayer-funded abortion. It's part, as you would describe, a budget resolution, a procedural step toward eventual passage of their proposed Democrats' $3.5 trillion spending package for the next fiscal year. Uh, he introduced a pro-life amendment included in the resolution by a vote of 52-49. Now, you're saying here it's non-binding, so, but pro-life leaders are still saying this is significant. What do we mean by that? Sure. So, and, and it's, it's, the budget process is very, you know, it's very complicated. There's a lot of steps that need to be taken. Um, it, it's non-binding in the sense that, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make a requirement um, and it, it's not, you know, it's not a requirement that next year's budget, um, you know, not include uh, funding of abortions, you know, because they, and they, because they haven't gotten to that step yet in the budget process. Um, it's significant because, you know, pro-life leaders were saying this was kind of a marker. This showed that there is enough support in the Senate for, um, you know, for Hyde Amendment language, for uh, pro-life language that prohibits funding of abortions in the federal budget. And, uh, you know, so that's why pro-life leaders saw this as significant, um, that, you know, yes, it was, it was symbolic, but, you know, it was, you know, it did show that there is, uh, there are 50 votes, you know, that there is enough support for it. Which is significant because if, if, if it's a close, um, if it's a tie, then you can get the vice president, um, Kamala Harris, to come in and, and make the big changes, right? Yeah, and, and I should say, I think there was there was one senator who did not vote who was a Republican, uh, presumably would support this pro-life policy, um, so that you know, I guess if it if it came to the entire chamber voting, they would have 51 votes, um, and they wouldn't, uh, you know, therefore, you know, because obviously, yeah, because Vice President Harris would not be 
uh, but certainly not be on the side of the uh, of the pro-life language. Um, so it, it's 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 significant in that it showed that there is uh, there is majority support in the chamber um, for this, and uh, it's you know that abortion funding has been a big um, concern of pro-life groups this year. And Jen Circleback Saki, according to your article, wasn't very happy and didn't want to address this. Let me just read what you have here. He said the White House on Wednesday would not give a reaction to the inclusion of Lankford's amendment in the resolution. Owen Jensen, White House correspondent for EWTN News Nightly, asked White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki about the amendment. I don't think I'm going to negotiate from here, she said. The president's position on Hyde is well known, and we've stated that many times publicly. And when Jensen tried to follow up, she refused to answer further. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, and, and uh, you know, the, the White House has been on record many times previously in support uh, or in opposition to the Hyde Amendment, uh, you know, and therefore in support of uh, federal funding of abortions. So it's, uh, you know, I, I think they, they would uh, they would obviously be opposed to Lankford's Amendment. And, uh, and you know, again, you know, Biden, um, you know, when he made his budget request to Congress for the coming fiscal year, you know, he specifically excluded the pro-life policy um, from that, you know, from the budget request, so oh, yeah. it's uh, yeah, they've certainly, they've certainly been on record uh, on record about it. And you also mentioned in your story, Matt, that uh, Joe Manchin from West Virginia, uh, who was always seen as a key Democratic swing vote, did vote for Lankford's amendment, as did moderate Republican Senator Susan Collins of Maine and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. Um, for Collins and Murkowski, was that a surprise? Do you think it's you know in. Uh, I'm not sure. In conversations I've had with, you know, some pro-life insiders, there I, I think that they have been on record before. Um, you know, while while they are certainly not known as reliable pro-life votes when it comes to the question of taxpayer-funding abortion, that uh, they are, you know, that they are not in support of that. So um, I think, and it was significant that all three uh, voted in favor of Lankford's amendment, uh, even if it was non-binding. I think it's really important what you mentioned earlier, the fact that this does send a message, because I think the left has, has always seen that this is going to be a slam dunk for them with abortion across the, you know, a, a, across the spectrum, across the political spectrum in Washington. Yeah, and there's been growing support for it in recent years, and I think it's, um, you know, perhaps by some seen as kind of an inevitable push. But, uh, you know, I think that it shows that, you know, there is still um, a lot of, opposition both in congress and you know throughout the country to uh you know taxpayer funded abortion it's one thing if it's you know for at least for how some people think it's one thing if it's legal it's another thing for it to be publicly funded and um you know for especially for if there are so many taxpayers who are opposed to abortions um you know then they would they would be forced to fund it with their tax dollars and i think that there's you know this shows that there is still significant opposition to it we're talking with Matt Hadro from Catholic News Agency and the National Catholic Register about some pro-life, uh, pro-family stories uh, he's covered this past week. It's You have a couple of different pro-life groups that are quoted, of course, the Susan B. Anthony List, uh, Marjorie Danifelser, and also Democrats for Life. Democrats for Life praising Manchin, but then also going after uh, Senator Casey from uh, Pennsylvania, which is kind of sad because... Um, wasn't his father very pro-life at one point? The family was pro-life, and then they did a whole switch on the pro-life issue, from what I understand. Yes, I believe so. And, and, and yeah, you know, the current Senator Casey has, you know, certainly not been a reliable pro-life vote uh, in the Senate. You know, he 
Um, I, I think did vote for one or two amendment, you know, pro-life amendments back in the spring, um, you know, when they were passing, uh, you know, a COVID relief package. But by and large, he's not regarded at all as a, uh, you know, as a reliable pro-life vote. Yeah, it's just so sad when you see them go this way. And even uh, Joe Biden, who used to support the Hyde Amendment, doing a complete turnaround on that, unfortunately. So thank you so much for your time this morning. I know you're very busy. So what other stories are you working on that we can expect to see from you in both the Register and Catholic News Agency? Sure. Um, you know, we are covering the ongoing um, discussions over vaccine mandates and conscience exemptions. And, uh, you know, as, as you may have seen, there have already been some bishops and dioceses that right. have, uh, you know, spoken out about the topic of vaccine mandates and whether or not there should be conscience exemptions for Catholics uh, to these mandates. So that, um, you know, that's an issue that uh, we have been covering and we're going to continue to cover in the coming weeks. Yeah, and that one I think is not going away anytime soon. Matthew, thanks for your great work. Greatly appreciate it. CatholicNewsAgency.com and NCRegister.com. If folks have a question for you, how can they reach you? Um, they, you know, uh, they, you know, they can certainly they can view our content uh, CatholicNewsAgency.com. I'm also on Twitter at uh, the handle at Matt Hadro. All righty then. Have a great weekend. Give my best to your lovely wife and tell her keep up the great work on EWTM Pro-Life Weekly. And we will be right back, brothers and sisters. Let you know what's coming up next week. Don't forget ncregister.com, catholicnewsagency.com. Those are two great news websites. I go to them every morning. They keep me sane. I was telling uh, Matt that we use a uh, a secular wire service to get our sound bites, and it's just mind-blowing what I have to sift through every morning to get you just a few sound bites, whether it's on something in Washington or whether it's even on the weather. There's even an agenda in those stories, so I'm so grateful for the great work of the National Catholic Register and, of course, Catholic News Agency, also EWTN News Nightly, Pro-Life Weekly, The World Over, and on and on and on. Another reason to celebrate 40 years of great EWTN programming. We'll be right back. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile. Everyday living. Effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you're automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria Mutual Funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Funds. The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria Mutual Funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. CMF Curo is a Catholic health care ministry providing families nationwide with a better solution centered around whole health, spirit, mind, and body. Our members share their medical burdens within a faith-filled community. At CMF Curo, our members have access to a spiritual director, concierge services, and other health and spiritual resources. 
Find out if CMF Curo is a better solution for your family. Visit MyCatholicHealthCare.com. That's MyCatholicHealthCare.com. Thanks so much for listening to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Check out all the great programming and, as Doug mentioned, EWTN.com. Coming up on a Monday, we will be talking more about conscience exemptions with our friend Lewis Brown from Christus Medicus Foundation. And we're also going to be taking a look at religious freedom issues in terms of this whole issue of the vaccine. What does the church say? What is necessary for us? How are we to look at this? The church has a lot to offer, especially with wonderful organizations such as the Catholic Medical Association, National Catholic um, Bioethics Center, and uh, we'll be talking with Lewis Brown about the importance of people being able to make up their own minds, as Doug was saying earlier. Also, of course, it's a Monday, so that means we will have our Scripture verse, our Bible verse of the week with Gail Buckley from Catholic Scripture Study International. St. Clara of Assisi, St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us, and of course, our Blessed Mother, pray for us. Talk to you on a Monday. Ciao, ciao. been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E Maria Radio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection. Spreading the splendor of truth. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Any young men interested in learning more about the priesthood are invited to the next St. Andrew Breakfast, which will take place on Saturday, August 21st at 8 a.m. at St. Patrick's Cathedral in Fort Worth. The day will begin with Mass at the Cathedral, followed by breakfast. We encourage young men in high school and college to attend. With limited space, please reserve your spot by August 19th to the Vocations Office or by calling 817-945-9321. Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in the pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs are available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Blessed be God, blessed be His holy name, blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man, blessed be the name of Jesus, blessed be His most sacred heart, blessed be His most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary Most Holy. 
Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network, Catholic Radio for Your Soul. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.